You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. Merry Christmas! What is this? Take your pixie out of your pockets, Neverlanders. Sprinkle some of that pixie dust around. And of course, think that happiest thought so you can fly away to Neverland with me, Head Lost Boy Jeremy, also known as the Spider Pan. We've got so much stuff going on today that it's going to be just too much fun almost for you to handle. We have so much news that Eric is going to be bringing you. Yes, Lost Boy Eric is back. We're having a hard time recording at the same time because things going on. In fact, I'm about to graduate finally from the University of Central Missouri. I'm sure I've mentioned it before, but I have one more week. I'm going to be in finals this week, and I have a television show to be a part of and so much stuff to do this week as my finals that, whoo, I'm going to be worn out, and I'm not sure how I'm going to get a show out there next week, because I actually have to walk and do my graduation on Saturday, but there will be a show. I haven't missed a week yet, and I don't plan to start now. I just don't know exactly what I'm going to do, because, I mean, I have been in some talks with a couple of authors. I just don't know when I'm going to have time to talk to either of them. So, But uh, there's some good books that are coming up, or come or that have recently come out, that uh, we definitely want to talk about coming up, uh, so I am working on that for you. But for this week... I'm going to take you on a little bit of a history uh, lesson of sorts. Uh, a little bit of a Christmas history. Uh, it's going to be something a little bit different that I think you're going to enjoy. And, uh, of course, before all that, you know, I do have some movie trailers to talk about. At least one of a new Disney film coming out based on the book series Artemis Fowl. We did get to see that trailer. And uh, I also want to make sure that I take a moment here to mention a couple of things that happened this week that were pretty big. Uh, Steven Hillenberg, the creator of SpongeBob SquarePants, passed away. Uh, now, he didn't do any work for Disney that I have any knowledge of whatsoever. Uh, he did work on Rocco's Modern Life, which was another Nickelodeon cartoon. Uh, but mainly he was known for SpongeBob, which he created. Apparently, he started getting some ideas, and he used the character at the Orange County Marine Institute to kind of help educate about marine biology and use the character there. And then later went on and created an entire cartoon, which personally I think was great when it started, but as it went on, it started to lose some of its comedy. I, I don't know. It just The later episodes just weren't funny to me, but the early stuff was fantastic. Fantastic. Also, this week we lost Ken Berry. Now, longtime Disney fans would recognize Ken Berry if you saw his face. Uh, we're talking Herbie Rides Again, The Cat from Outer Space, also well known for being on F Troop and also Mama's Family. Uh, he's got a long list of things, even Mar Mayberry RFD. I mean, all kinds of stuff. The Andy Griffith Show, even. So, he's got a long list of shows that he was on, a lot of television work, even working with Dick Van Dyke. Uh, so, you know, he's been out of the limelight. Really, he, he kind of seems to have retired around 1999, so we haven't seen much of him for the last, like, 19 years. Uh, but, you know, he was 85 years old, so at some point I'd say you'd probably want to retire. But uh, he had a long career and did a lot of work with Disney, and so that's very, very, you know, sad to see him go. Uh, but uh, we'll definitely appreciate him. 
Uh, one thing that I want to throw in that I just actually found today, that there's actually 50,000 fans so far that have signed a petition on Change.org to have the SpongeBob song Sweet Victory from an episode of SpongeBob where they're supposed to be playing a halftime show. There's people wanting that to be played at the halftime. Currently, Maroon 5 is slated to play the halftime show, and I guess it might be their decision if they would decide to throw it in. <laughs> you know, I'm sure they're going to play some of their stuff. And uh, Also, didn't they have a song on Wreck-It Ralph that... We might expect that they might play it, so that is a possibility. We'll have to see what happens with that, but thats I thought it was interesting that they did, you know, somebody started that petition. Uh, so, very interesting. I would like to see it happen. It would be kind of neat. Uh, I don't think it's necessary. I mean, you know, SpongeBob, you know, pretty important character, but, you know, I don't know if you want to put him into the Super Bowl or not. I don't know. Uh, but that, that, it's still, it would be interesting. Uh, but anyways, let's turn the corner here and drop over to see Lost Boy Eric as he brings us some news. Spanning the Disney and Geek Universe to bring you the best in comics, toys, movies, and entertainment. This is news from around Neverland. Hello Neverlanders, this is Lost Boy Eric. I have been winging my way to the four corners of the earth to bring you all of the news that happened this week involving the Disney parks. We are going to start off today in Florida at Epcot. There was a mishap with the fireworks uh, during illuminations the other day. Uh, this happened on November 27th. Uh, as you may know, illuminations is the uh, big fireworks spectacular that takes place uh, in the World Showcase, right on the water there. Uh, unfortunately, a firework during the holiday finale of the show happened to land in the Fast Pass viewing area for Illuminations. Now, as near as, uh, as, as best we can tell, nobody was injured, nobody got hurt, which we're grateful for. Um, we do know that uh, Illuminations is in its final season. It will be leaving after this next summer. And this was during the holiday show of this year. Uh, it has had a nearly 20-year run, so uh, we do know that a new show is in the works. We're glad to hear that there wasn't anybody injured. Uh, there's also no indication as to what caused the firework to end up near the crowd. However, again, everyone's safe. Things worked out well, uh, and hopefully this won't impact uh, uh, Illumination's schedule uh, as they approach the end of, the, uh, of its run. Moving on from Florida, though, we're going to hop over the ocean and head to Tokyo Disneyland, which is going to be celebrating its 35th anniversary this next this coming year. It's uh, pretty amazing. Of course, uh, it's run and operated by the Oriental Land Company, uh, but they're uh, but to celebrate the this anniversary, they're going to have a display called Imagining the Magic taking place there. Uh, it's actually already started. It began on Friday, November 30th, and it's going to uh, stay in place through the 19th of December. And then it's going to go to Osaka from January, uh, from the 11th of January until the 23rd of January. 
and begins with a photo containing everyone's favorite characters upon the Mark Twain riverboat. It's a pretty impressive picture. It's uh, all decked out with gold and bunting and all of the characters there with balloons all around them. Um, turns out there's also going to be some photos in the collection, which have got the princesses and heroines wrapped in flowers, and as well as the villains themselves in some pretty spectacular portraits. Now, these are pictures of the characters within the parks. So you're going to see uh, the Mickey as he appears in the park, Minnie as she's in the park, uh, even the evil queen from Snow White as she appears as a character within the park. Um, the admission is going to be free. So if you happen to be in Tokyo or Osaka during those dates, uh, in Tokyo, it's going to be in Fujifilm Square. And in Osaka, it's going to be at Fujifilm Photo Salon Osaka. So again, if anyone has the chance uh, and happens to be in Tokyo uh, from uh, through the 19th of December or in Osaka from the 11th of January through the 23rd, let us know uh, if you're there and what you think about it. Moving back across the ocean, back into Walt Disney World, there is a casting call that's now out for the Cirque du Soleil show uh, that operates in Disney Springs. Now, Cirque du Soleil has certainly uh, been in Disney Springs for quite some time, uh, but they just recently issued a casting call for a youth or adult who could play a 12-year-old girl. Their height needs to be between 4 foot 5 inches and must have a slim figure. Now, the character is described as the lead character of the new show. They have it not yet released a name. Um, they have been without a show recently, though, since uh, La Nuba closed on December 31st of 2017. Now, if you've ever been to Disney Springs, you'll easily recognize the tent-like theater that they have out on the west side of, uh, of the area. Now, they did announce that the show will draw its inspiration from Disney's heritage of animation and will celebrate Disney's legacy of storytelling in Cirque du Soleil's signature way. And it's going to have a tribute to the one-of-a-kind craftsmanship that makes Disney so extraordinary. Now, the uh, vice president of Disney Springs, Matt Simon, said, I can tell you that the concepts that I've seen for Cirque du Soleil are like none I've ever seen. They are world-class and completely un unexpected, but truly capture an emotion and feeling that you can never f uh, feel anywhere other than on Disney property. So again, we don't yet quite have a date, but we do know that the lead is going to be a young girl, uh, and we know that it's going to focus around the uh, animation history of Disney. So it'll definitely be interesting to see what happens. Now, hopping back across the country, uh, at Disneyland on December 1st, they started off the Candlelight Processional. Now, we know that this is a retelling of the Christmas story, uh, the birth of Jesus, uh, that takes place at both Disneyland as well as Epcot. And as we've discussed in the past, they have celebrity hosts that come and read the narration. Uh, this year, Disneyland kept a couple of surprises in their pocket. We didn't know who was going to be the narrator uh, to begin the celebrations this year. Um, there was some speculation that it could have been Lin-Manuel Miranda or Emily Blunt. They have both been in the Los Angeles area recently for the premiere of Mary Poppins. And I know Lin-Manuel Miranda got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame this weekend as well. But it turns out that the person who narrated the processional on the 1st of December was Chris Pratt. Yes, that's right, Star-Lord. 
was the one who was giving us the narration uh, of Christ's birth, uh, which is very apropos. Chris Pratt has actually been very vocal about being a Christian and uh, sharing that message with people. So you know, I think it's great that he was there to do that. Now, of course, um, Disney World's going to be having their shows as well. We've discussed those in the past. So again, if you do have the opportunity, it's something great to see, and I uh, hope that you do have the opportunity to see it. Now, for our final bit of park news, we're going to jump back across the country, back into Florida. Now, one of the, well, actually two of the preeminent uh, things that you can see from quite a distance while you're uh, on Disney property in Florida are the Swan and Dolphin Hotels. Now, uh, my opinion of these two hotels isn't too great, because uh, they kind of look like a bit of a, uh, well, they, they certainly don't lend themselves to the decor of the area. I'll put it that way. Uh, but uh, Marriott International, which owns and operates both of these hotels, has announced that they are going to be adding a new resort named The Cove. It's going to have a 14-story tower with 349 guest rooms, including 151 suites, 22,000 square feet of meeting space, and a 90-seat restaurant. That's going to be open for group bookings beginning March 1st of 2021. Now, that information comes to us uh, from wdwmagic.com. Uh, they do have a concept art of the new hotel. Um, certainly does not share the same distinctive Michael Graves style that the Swan and Dolphin do. Uh, but again, uh, it's an expansion to the resort area. Of course, with all of the expansions that they've got going on in Walt Disney World with uh, you know, Magic Kingdom, Epcot, as well as Hollywood Studios, all getting expansions within the next few years. Uh, certainly going to drive more uh, tourism and more visits to the area. So, of course, more hotels and more hotel space is going to be opening up. So, again, um, something to look forward to. This uh, new addition to the Swan and the Dolphin. We'll see what happens. I've got some sad news this week about um, one of the Mouseketeers, one of the original Mouseketeers, by the name of Dennis Day. Now, Dennis Day is not to be confused with the Dennis Day who appeared on the Jack Penny program or who did the uh, uh, narration of Johnny Appleseed. Uh, this Dennis Day was one of the original Mouseketeers along with Annette Funicello uh, and the others in the 1950s. Unfortunately, uh, reports from uh, Phoenix, Oregon, where he has been living for the past several years, uh, indicate that he has been missing since mid-July. The Friends of Dennis and Ernie Facebook page uh, reports that Dennis Day, former Disney Mouseketeer and current residence of Phoenix, Oregon, has been missing from his home since mid-July 2018, despite the best efforts of Phoenix Missing Persons Department to locate him. Day, an original Mouseketeer from 1956 to 57, was a veteran actor and longtime member of the original California Renaissance Pleasure Fairs and Dickens Christmas Fair. He disappeared from his home July 15th after his husband, Ernest Caswell, was hospitalized in nearby Medford. Telling Ernie he was going to visit friends, he uncharacteristically left his dog in the care of a temporary housemate and has not been seen since. Sometime after Dennis's departure, the family car also disappeared and was found July 26th on the Oregon coast, being driven by persons unknown to Day's friends. The driver told police that Day had given them permission to use it. No forensic evidence was found in the vehicle to suggest any struggle or foul play had occurred. 
Today's hundreds of friends from his fair days, as well as his more recent Oregon neighbors and friends, are extremely concerned. Dennis is well-loved. His husband, who suffers from a degree of age-related memory loss, still misses and mourns him. Anyone who has any knowledge of Dennis Day's movements or whereabouts is asked to contact Lieutenant Price of the Phoenix Missing Persons Department. Our telephone number is 541-535-1113, extension 309, or through an anonymous tip line at 888-980-6450. And again, he's been missing since mid-July. We certainly hope that there's been uh, nothing foul or uh, unfortunate happened to him, uh, but there are friends and family looking out for him, trying to find out what's happened. So if uh, you'd like to go to our Facebook page and share that post, uh, I'm certain that the residents of Phoenix, Oregon will be quite uh, happy with any assistance you can provide. Some other news coming out this week is uh, movie news and a new role for Tom Hanks. Now, we all know that uh, in the movie Pinocchio, Geppetto is the kindly old father who torments his cat. Well, I guess he torments a cat and, you know, up and leaves everything to go search for his son when he disappears. Uh, well, it seems, looks like that Disney is looking, as it has done with many of their other movies, is looking to make a remake of Pinocchio with Tom Hanks stepping in as Geppetto in this movie. Now, uh... Paul King, who directed Paddington, is directing this. Um, Andrew Milano and Chris Weitz are producing. And Paul King, Chris Weitz, and Simon Farnaby wrote the most recent draft. Of course, Pinocchio is about a little wooden boy who comes to life and has to earn his boyhood. Now, again, this is another of the recent trend of uh, Disney remaking their classics as a live-action film. You know, I know Jeremy enjoyed being a beast. I certainly didn't. I don't think we both felt good about Maleficent. Um, Alice in Wonderland was pretty to look at, but it wasn't a great movie. Um, I'm getting concerned about all of these live-action remakes that Disney seems to be putting out. Uh, I really liked Pete's Dragon, and uh, I did enjoy the jungle the jungle book and of course we know that coming up a little bit uh, in our near future early next year it's going to be the lion king uh directed by john favreau well with the casting of this as i mentioned already is that uh tom hanks is scheduled to or is reportedly in talks to be geppetto in this new film we'll push forward um i'm sorry uh, he does have a busy 2019 ahead of him uh, it starts with a, as far as, you know, I'm going to start this one back over from the top, Jeremy, sorry. Right, in the world of movies, we've got hints of a new casting and a new live-action remake of a, of a Disney movie. Of course, we all know Pinocchio, the story of the little wooden boy who has to prove himself and to become a real boy. His father, apparently, is going to be played by Tom Hanks. Now, Tom Hanks happens to have a very busy 2019 already ahead of him. He's got a World War II picture, Greyhound. Uh, he's going to be in Toy Story 4. And he's also in uh, an upcoming Mr. Rogers biopic. So this is going to add yet one more movie to that schedule. Now, Tom Hanks, he's America's dad. He, you know, and, and we've kind of adopted him as this parental figure. So why not Geppetto? 
Now, I haven't been too crazy about most of the live-action remakes that Disney has put out and made these past several years. Uh, I know that uh, while Jeremy enjoyed Beauty and the Beast, I really didn't care for it. Um, Alice in Wonderland also. Uh, we've got Dumbo coming up very soon. I'm kind of skeptical of these live-action remakes. I will say that I really didn't love uh, Pete's Dragon. Uh, and I also enjoyed uh, The Jungle Book. So it's kind of a mixed bag with me, but... I, I don't, for, for the most part, I just do not care for these remakes. It'll be interesting to see Tom Hanks as Geppetto, but uh, hopefully we'll see what that is before too long. Now, also in movie news, as I mentioned, Lion King is coming up real soon. Of course, that's got um, James Earl Jones as Mufasa. It's going to have Donald Glover as uh, uh, Simba. But apparently, there's going to be a new character introduced to this film, uh, who's going to be voiced by Amy Sedaris. Now, for those of you who don't know, Amy Sedaris uh, was an improv actor who worked on The Groundlings. Uh, there was a series on Comedy Central called Strangers with Candy that she was uh, part of. She was also, oh, here we go, she was Foxy Loxy in Chicken Little, if anyone wants to remember that movie. Uh, but she is going to be uh, a new character uh, playing an elephant shrew, so named for the long nose that resembles an elephant trunk. Now, of course, I mentioned it's already, uh, we have Donald Glover in it, James Earl Jones, uh, Seth Rogen, Billy Eichner, Alfred Woodard, and Beyonce are all involved with this film. Uh, again, uh, we know that... Uh, this again is well i guess i can't call this a live action remake can i it is a cg animated film which looks very lifelike uh but again interesting uh that we're going to have this new character they're trying to promote it so we'll see if this character adds or brings anything new to the story now moving over from the world of remakes into bringing things forward into uh into the future we got news that Stephen Schiff is going to be a showrunner on the Rogue One spinoff. Of course, we brought this to you a couple of weeks ago. Um, there's going to be a brand new series on the Disney Plus service that centers around Cassian Andor. Now, the uh, producer that's going to be running this show is Stephen Schiff. Uh, he's been um, a producer for The Americans. Uh, and uh, his most recent screenwriting credits include 2017's American Assassin and 2010's Wall Street Money Never Sleeps. Now, this is the second uh, series that Lucasfilm is developing for the Disney Plus service. And as we mentioned previously, it is going to star um, Diego Luna as Cassian Andor. So again, uh, we don't yet have any other real details about this other than it is following Cassian Andor's journey to Rogue One. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Now, is anybody else like me ready to see Mary Poppins Returns? I have really been, you know, I've been a little bit skeptical. I've been a little bit hesitant, but it's a sequel rather than a remake. Um, looks like they're trying to have some fun with it. And certainly from the previews we've seen, they're really trying to make it uh, as spectacular as the original Mary. Well, you, there is a way to get free tickets to go see Mary Poppins Return. 
Uh, customers who purchase a Subway Fresh Fit for Kids meal at participating restaurants receive a code that they can enter at activaterewards.com slash Subway. Customers then get a promo code to get a free child's ticket up to $11 at Fandango to go see Mary Poppins Returns. Now, it started this past Friday and continues through December 31st. The codes expire on January 7th or whenever the film happens to leave theaters. Now, again, this would be a good way if uh, you're on a budget looking to you know, find a way to take the kids to the movie. Um, I'm not sure if you're saving that much money uh, buying a fresh fit kids meal at Subway over buying a ticket outright. But, you know, it's uh, something to consider and something out there that, and available. You know, we're just barely seeing the marketing machine going on Mary Poppins Return, so I'm sure we'll see much more happening with it. Now, uh, I don't know about uh, many other people, but uh, Disney tends to close down things before we're ready for them to be closed. For me, it was something called Virtual Magic Kingdom, where you could create your own version of Disneyland or just a Disney park in general. Well, another one of these online uh, programs or on online games that they had was called Toontown. Now, five years ago, Toontown Online was shut down by Disney. However, dedicated fans have been running it ever since. While Disney isn't maintaining the MMO, these fans are improving it. Now, Toontown Online was first launched by Disney back in 2003. A decade later, it was shut down in favor of more lucrative ventures like Club Penguin. Back then, features like key binding weren't the no-brainer that they are today. Players walk their cartoon characters about town with their arrow keys, using their left hands while holding their mouse on their right like barbarians. Now, it took about 15 years in the game's closure uh, for a revival to happen. Uh, in fact, part of what they did is they took away that you know, key logging and mouse clicking feature. And that's part of what the the article that talks about this is covering. Uh, this is from Kotaku. Uh, and what they say is that they said it could never be done. They told us it wasn't important. They claimed that such measures would destroy tune, the Toonverse as we know it. I don't know who they are, but today we are proving Mr. Whoever they are wrong. And we're taking a step where no tune has ever stopped before. W. Not only W, but A, S, and D. In fact, let's go for any key on your keyboard. Today, we abandon the direction of the arrow keys and tell control that it cannot control us any longer. We'll delete the delete key and throw pies the way we want to throw them. Today, dear tunes, we finally have options. So, yeah, if uh, you enjoyed the old Toontown Online, it is still available. Uh, in order to access it, you would need to visit a site, uh, which is ToontownRewritten.com. Of course, it takes a little bit of uh, time to download and get everything all set up. But uh, if you enjoyed this game in the past, it may be something that you'll want to investigate and look into going forward. Now, one final bit of news that we have this week also comes to us from the realm of Star Wars. Um, of course, the other series, as we mentioned, beyond the Cassian Andor, Cassian Andor series, is going to be The Mandalorian, which is being produced by Jon Favreau. And we got a little bit of news about one more actor that they have signed to perform in this show. 
Nick Nolte is joining. Now, of course, he's a veteran actor who's appeared in such films as The Thin Red Line, Down and Out in Beverly Hills, and Mulholland Falls. We don't know much about what his character is doing. We don't know who he is, really. But uh, again, it'll be interesting to see uh, what direction this show is going. The last thing that I remember seeing Nick Nolte in was, I think, The Hulk uh, with Eric Bana. And I don't recall being too impressed uh, with his performance in that movie. But who knows? Um, again, this is just a little bit more star power that they're adding to it. Um, you know, and, you know, just even John Favreau isn't the only other big name that's involved with this series. Uh, directors Taika Waititi, Bryce Dallas Howard, Rich uh, Fumawala, Deborah Chow, and Dave Filoni are all directing episodes within this new series. So, um, again, it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this, where they decide to take it. Uh, and, I, you know, again, I'm still just happy to know that we've got more content coming for, our, uh, for us, you know, about the Star Wars universe with these two shows. So I'm looking forward to it. Uh, even though I wasn't impressed by his performance in The Hulk, I'm kind of intrigued here with uh, what they're doing and what they're putting together. All right, well, that is all of the news from Hollywood and places beyond. Neverlanders, thank you. Have a great week, and I'm turning it back over to Jeremy. Mama, another gator got in the house. Another gator? Give me that sugar. Come here. The Neverland Trailer Park. So next on the agenda, I did see a trailer here for Artemis Fowl. Our world has never been in more danger. Human greed is what drove us underground all those years ago. To escape from your rapacious appetite. Prepared for the truth behind what you seek. Now you will believe Artemis Fowl. Now, I am not familiar, I mean, I've heard of the books, but I've not read any of them. And I'm, right now, I consider that might be a good thing, because I'm able to look at this objectively and say that it looks very interesting, and it looks like it could be a lot of fun and intriguing, and I, I think I would probably enjoy the movie. But And overall, I'd say on YouTube, where Walt Disney Pictures released the trailer, you know, they've got overall, overall a pretty positive response as far as the likes on the clicks. But there are people who are fans of the book series 
that are not as thrilled with this. They, they're a little disappointed, I guess, the way some of the characters are being presented and maybe some of the casting. Uh, so, uh, you know, and they, they probably have some valid concerns because I don't, you know, Disney will usually take something. And heck, any film, any movie based off a book is going to take some liberties and make some changes. That happens. It's pretty common. I mean, heck, if you read the book of Jurassic Park, it's very different from the movie. Uh, you know, it, it, it's just the nature of things. Uh, that's that's called an adaptation. They do that. Uh, so I don't know if they're going to give it a fair shake. Uh, I Thankfully, since I haven't read the books, I think I can give the movie a fair shake when it comes out. But this did look interesting to me, and uh, I actually look forward to checking it out when it hits theaters. There'll be spectacle, there'll be fantasy, there'll be daring do and stuff like you would never see. You people seeing this for the first time. Kermit, I got a great picture of the chicken. Oh, good. Now, I know I'm a little late to the party here, but I finally got a chance to see Fantastic Beats, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And I got to be careful because J.K. Rowling, when she writes something, she writes it as a mystery. And I really don't want to give anything away if you happen to have not seen the film at this point, because it is a very interesting mystery. Uh, we go through the story and the characters are slowly kind of finding things out. Uh, she doesn't really write in a fashion to where you might figure it out uh, by the end. You're basically just kind of going along with the characters as they piece a few things together and, and run into the solution uh, of not knowing what's happening. They're just kind of going along with the story. Um, overall, though, I mean, I... I know the ending. Some people have, have had problems with the way things end. There are some people kind of shocked. It's kind of a surprise. I thought it was very intriguing. I was I was engaged with this movie from the beginning all the way through. Totally engaged with the characters. Uh, there's definitely a very heartbreaking moment towards the end and the climactic finale. And whatever Johnny Depp's got going on in his personal life, he gave a tremendous performance as Galette Grindelwald. He... He's not an over-the-top character in this. He's he can really Im, you know put himself into a character. We've seen that he'll put himself in. Frequently, he seems over the top. He wasn't over the top. He was just right. He was a you know because Grindelwald to him he's very charismatic. He's he's said that he's got a silver tongue and he can really persuade anybody onto his side with his words and what he says and does. And we really did see some truth to that. He always says exactly what you want to hear to bring you onto his side. Now, what's interesting, aside from having him give great speeches at, at times and, and what he says, where he brings people in, when he moves those people away, when he's away from all these other people that he's persuading in, and he's around maybe his inner circle... That's part of where his true nature comes out and where he's downright powerful and scary. And he's very, you know, he's lethal. He's very lethal and very deadly. But it's very interesting to where you don't see how deadly he is until he's ready to do something and act. But he's always presenting a good face and making his points and making speeches and persuading people to his side. And then when they're not looking, that's when he's like, okay, so all these people that are not on my side now, this is horrible thing, you know. So I was very interesting, a very good character. And I, I was pretty pleased with the way Johnny Depp played it. 
Uh, really, I, I have enjoyed the cast. I've always thought it was weird that Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander is always never really looking in the eyes. He's kind of looking away. And I never quite figured out if that was a, a, a twitch of his or if that is a character concept. But we do get to see a little bit of a younger version of him at Hogwarts. And the actor playing the younger version keeps that same mannerism where he doesn't quite look people in the eye. So they've kept that going. So it's now a consistent part of his character that he does seem more comfortable around magical creatures than he is around other people. And it is very nice to come and revisit Hogwarts and uh, spend a little time there again. And we do, of course, hear Hedwig's theme, the main theme of the Harry Potter films, pop in there as soon as we show up at Hogwarts. Uh, but overall, I really enjoyed this film. Uh, I know there's been some people who have had some complaints. I think was because there's a bit of a surprise at the end. But I think it's a very interesting surprise. And to me, it's intrigued me for what is coming in the next films in this new series. Uh, I'm all in. I, I'm very eager to see the next one. This one felt like The Empire Strikes Back. It had that sort of an ending of like, oh, wow, how are they going to come back from this, you know? So, uh, overall, I really, really enjoyed this movie. To Disney and beyond. All right, so the next thing on our agenda, this is a little bit weird. Uh, I used to volunteer at Watkins Mill State Park here in Missouri. Uh, this was owned by Waltus Watkins. He had a woolen mill up... Uh, up, you know, sort of a little, not fully northern Missouri, but a little bit north of where I'm at here in Kansas City. Uh, so his homestead is still there. The mill is still there. There's tours of it. There's a state park. Uh, and I have volunteered. They do frequent uh, events like a fall on the farm, and they'll have a Christmas on the farm. Now, I haven't been able to volunteer there in a long time because going back to school and everything getting so crazy, I really couldn't commit a weekend to go and be a volunteer. And basically, as a volunteer, you will dress in the, the clothing of the period and give a tour of the room or sometimes, you know, I've been in the ice house before, you know, there's a lot of different things going on and it's generally a lot of fun, but I thought I would go up there as just a guest because I've never ever gotten to do that before. You know, I'm always working it. Now, why I do this and why I'm bringing this audio to you, if you think about this, all right, so Walt Disney is born in 1901. I even saw a letter while I was there at the, the Watkins farm dated for 1898. Now, if you consider that, this is only three years difference before Walt is born. So this house, I mean, this, it was constructed, I think, like around mid to late 1800s and had people living in it, in it all in through the 1900s. Uh, but this house is in a state of what is similar to what Walt Disney would have been born into and the type of world and how the world was. In fact, if you look at the Red Dead Redemption games, they're pointing around to, you know, the West is still pretty wild, actually, even at this point of history. But you start to get perspective of how things were at the time that Walt was born and all the progress that was made throughout his lifetime that you you kind of get a perspective of how Walt was very fascinated with progress and the new technologies and new things coming around and how he became a bit of a futurist and looking forward to all the exciting things that were happening when you consider what the world was like when he was born. So I want to play some audio for you. Now, what's kind of funny, I've, I've edited this together, but uh, everybody there kind of knows me. 
So I went in and they're like, well, hey, how are you doing? I ain't seen you in a while. And so everybody was wanting to kind of talk to me. So I've had to kind of cut her out. And I left some of that in because it's fun. Uh, and even the first room I go where you hear some ladies singing, these are people that I've known pretty much my entire life. These are Lost Boy Phillips' sister and mother. Uh, these are like a second family to me, these two ladies. So I kind of joke with them a little bit as I get in there. Uh, but overall, I thought it was a, a fun recording and I thought you might enjoy it. And it helps give you some perspective and get you a little bit of that Christmas spirit here in December. In fact, there's even a lighting of a plum pudding where we light it on fire, which is a tradition. And you'll hear a lot more about that towards the end of recording. But for now, enjoy. Have you been here before? Yes. <laughs> well, you know I have. <laughs> I get to be on this side. I'm, well, I'm normally a volunteer, so this is kind of fun. I get to be on the opposite end. Oh, really? We have yeah. our friend of us with the camera. <laughs> Oh, like I've memorized every room. Absolutely. No, I haven't. <laughs> Formal parlor is over here. Family parlor is over here. Mm -hmm. Upstairs, guest bedroom is over here. And the master bedroom is over here. Uh, and you'll notice that, uh, according to family history, it took four years to build the house. It started in 1850 and finished it in 1854. One of the reasons it took so long to build the house is because it took two years to build that stairwell. The staircase is just inside the door. And so it's a, a pretty nice old house. It's a pretty nice old house. You come on in and uh, there will be people in each room and they can tell you about what uh, and all about it. Okay. Uh -huh. And where we go. And there's cookies going out the bedroom. Hopefully there's still some ginger snaps for me, right? Some wassail. All right, I guess I'll go to this room first. All right, y'all, here I am. Entertain me. Sing me something. Oh, Lord. <laughs> How about that? Can you see that one? Is that better? Take that and put it under it. That does help because that's. Oh, well, yeah, it's, it's a good story. Isn't that kind of a problem every year? Just trying to be able to see what we're doing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Philip is down at eating dinner, and our other little gal is having dinner, so it's just Debbie and I. That's okay. <laughs> so we'll try so, not to. Don't get all excited. <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing? Angels get her. Oh.
As your what's in it? Yeah, my little bag that keeps my marbles safe, so I oh. don't lose them. So you don't lose. I, yeah. That might be late for that. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I got my little dolls here that the girls can play with. The heads might have been heads and arms might have been made by the boys, and the dresses might have been made for the girls. You know, girls or mom. While we're here, little dancing men. So how you been? I'm about to graduate here in oh another gosh. week of finals. Finally. Goodness Finally have me. a bachelor's degree, uh -huh. which is also why I haven't been here volunteering. Yet. Well, <laughs> and I was going to ask you, what are you going to be when you grow up? <laughs> but you're getting close. I'm getting, I'm getting close. One more week. Mm -hmm. I have a bachelor's degree in digital media production. But yeah, I've spent the last few oh. weekends. I've been uh, broadcasting the sporting event, so that's why I haven't been here Excellent. to volunteer. Excellent. I've been very busy. Uh, this is the parlor. Um, this is where the family came and like, did sewing, reading, and homework. Homework. <laughs> <laughs> in quotes? Yeah, um, they have the chairs like this because they can use that lamp for the only light source. And everything in that bookcase is original to the to the house. Yes. That's all about all I know. There you go. That's about all you remember. Mm -hmm. I know I've, I've been the tour guide of this house, and I can't remember any more than that either. <laughs> Upstairs. <laughs> there you go. Up to the upstairs. Well, All right. I'm upstairs. It's just dirt. It's not a crummy or anything. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the old previous was just the ticket. Oh, and uh, <laughs> there were people that came and cleaned those previous too. Sometimes the old farmers would dig a new one. They had uh, people who would come. In. They were called honey dippers. Uh, honey dippers. Yeah. And, uh, That's why they call them the honey wagon. <laughs> That's right. And I remember seeing an old movie, uh, kind of a, one of those hot rod movies from the early 50s or mid 50s. And this guy says to uh, the, the mean boy, says to the other fellow, Is that your honey wagon there? <laughs> See, well, uh, people watching it might not get it, but he's calling it a toilet truck. Yeah. yeah. And so uh, can you imagine that being your profession? It'd be rough, wouldn't it? Oh, man. I bet it paid well. It <laughs> paid well. I, I would hope. Well, it, it does now, I know. Yeah. That sort of How you doing? Pretty good. Do you have any questions here? No. Obviously, this is not an original. No, right. No. Over, there, over there is the, uh, their, their master bedroom, the sewing machine over there, an early style sewing machine. And there's a kind of a little closet there. There are hardly any closets in these old houses. Below that, where that fluid is, down below there, is one of the fireplaces in the house. So the fireplace sticks out a little, and I'm guessing they had a little notch in the hall and they could make a closet there. Oh, Most okay. of the time, we didn't have enough clothes to make a closet necessary. If you've been here before, this is the guest bedroom. And yes, guests would come here and sleep in this nice feather bed, whereas people that weren't guests would be somewhere else and not nearly as nice. Yeah. You come up the nice <laughs> staircase up to here. Some of the furniture is original. I don't think the bed is, but this might very well be here. He may have bought this in Philadelphia and bought that over here. Um, this room also has a nice bathroom yeah. in the room. Right over there. <laughs> there's, yeah, there's the bathroom. And the wash your face, and then there's the chamber pot, which we would all, we would all take turns using. <laughs> it's the truth. Life is hard. But uh, this was the good place, and so you might have been fed and be here and be downstairs in that wonderful 
room below us here in the front and sit home without really getting a clue as to how things really ran here. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the Watkins dining room. Uh, today we have a setting on the table of Watkins, um, the tape formal setting of the time period. So these are not Watkins dishes, but very similar to some that we know that they had. Uh, it's called Wedding Band or Wedding Green China. The family usually had about 15 people at a time um, in the family, plus up to 15 farmhands and guests. So they would have eaten in shifts, not getting everyone around the table at once. And today we have the centerpiece on the table. This is the traditional holiday centerpiece for the time period. Uh, fresh fruit, especially citrus fruits that had to be shipped in were fairly rare, so it was a good way to showcase them. And the pineapple symbolized hospitality, so that's why it's there at the top. Which that must have been difficult to get in. A pineapple? Yes, yeah, so all that stuff had to be shipped in, so yeah. it was very rare and very expensive, which is why it was a good Christmas present when they received oranges and their yeah. stockings and things of that nature. Which I have my orange in my pocket. There you go. <laughs> Are we lighting the pudding on fire? Have I missed it all? You missed um, the first three, but we have another one in about 35 minutes. If you hear that one. Okay, awesome. So we're standing in the formal entryway here into the Watkins home. At the time, the hustle and bustle of daily life would have been closed off by closing the doors, and you would greet your guests here in the entryway. They would immediately be taken to the formal parlor, where we'll go in a moment, and that's where you would visit with them. And then if they were staying long enough to meet either the dining room or the guest bedroom, they would see those rooms. The rest of the house was pretty much off limits. They wouldn't have seen So today we have it decorated in the style of the time period, with all the fun Christmas decorations, including the cedar roping, and the red satin bows, so lots of fun. And I see here in the greening area is where they hang the mistletoe so they can greet everybody with a kiss if they yes, want to. Yes, that's called a kissing bowl <laughs> time period. It's just so dark, it's hard to tell when it's come up. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so here we have the formal parlor. This is where the Watkins would have visited with their guest at the time. Uh, about 85% of the furnishings in the house are original to the Watkins home, and so we have a, a formal setting in here in the formal parlor. Feel free to step in, take a look, and catch the folks singing if you haven't already. I did, but I'll okay. catch some more. There you go. Yeah. That's why I missed you singing. Well, never mind, they <laughs> They knew we were coming again. You're on the corner, you guys. Okay, so the room that we're standing in right now is the family parlor, or what the family like to refer to as their reading room. This is where our guests get to visit with Father Christmas, and so lots and lots of fun going on in here. Um, as far as this room went, this is where the family would have gathered in the evening. They would have sat here, read books, did sewing, homework. It was also a good place to send the children when the adults were visiting with guests across the hall. So lots of fun. And then right over here behind us, you're going to see a collection with a few of the Watkins books. Maybe a little too dark to pick up. Yeah. I've been asked for two of the things. But I have actually found some pretty famous books in there. Yes, there are some good books. Somebody asked me for a job. Science books even in there. I think I saw, I think I even saw like some medical stuff at one point. And there's law books from when Waltus was practicing law. Oh, yeah, I remember seeing those. Yeah. All right, and then I go to the cooking house that wouldn't be the summer cooking house because in the summer it's too hot to cook. Hello. How are you? I've come for some wassail. You've come for some wassail? Yes, I have. Okay. Because wassail is awesome. <laughs> I think this may be the first time I've come out to this as a guest and I not working it. I was going to say, I know. 
Well, I've been busy this semester and stuff, so. Alrighty. Are you our official tour guide of this room? Yep. Yep, well, tell me about the room. This is the girls' room. There's four girls. There's Kate, Lizzie, Maddie, and Carrie. And there would be three girls that would sleep in here, then the oldest one would sleep in there with uh, the baby. The baby would be in the crib. <coughs> That's all you got? Yep. Okay, I'll go take a look over there. I think I've worked in this room before, haven't I? Yeah. It's been a while, but... And you can see where the stove has a pipe going over into the other room. Look across over to the other side. Oh, excuse me. He said by the time they moved into here that a couple of boys were probably grown. And that would have taken a couple of them out. And so they wouldn't have as many as we think. So that's why their room is littler. Littler? Mm-hmm. Because there would have been less boys than we think in here. Because they wouldn't have... Do you want to go to the boys' room? Yeah, so we're headed that way, yes. Give me the grand tour here. So this is the boys' room. This was the boys' room, yes. And that's all we have to say about it? <laughs> there was a total of seven boys. Hmm. But not all of them stayed here, apparently. No. Because, yeah, seven boys in this little bed. <laughs> That'd be a lot of fighting. I believe there was five of them that slept in this bed. Some slept in the bed, some slept on the floor. Uh, yeah. Oldest, of course, taking priorities. I get the bed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know how that works. I was the youngest. Thank you for coming out to Christmas on the Farm 2018. Are y'all having fun? Yeah. Good. Well, you are getting ready to experience one of everyone's favorite parts of the evening, the lighting of the plum pudding ceremony. Before we do that, I want to talk a little bit about plum pudding. Does anybody have any idea what plum pudding is? How many of you have ever had it or no? A few of you maybe, some people not. Um, one of the most uh, important things to remember about plum pudding is it's not plum, uh, doesn't have plums in it, and it's not pudding. So why did they call it plum pudding? And I'm going to explain that. Um, in Europe, where it first originated, there were a lot of things called puddings. Um, so how about potato and beef pudding? It doesn't sound very appetizing. Uh, today we would call it a potato and beef casserole. It sounds a whole lot better. Um, or in this case, plum pudding. It was more of a cake. So there were a lot of things called puddings. That word was kind of used loosely for a lot of things that were kind of all thrown together, a bowl mixed up, cooked, and that's what you were eating. Um, now plums, pretty much any dried fruit at the time was referred to as a plum. And in this case, it was raisins um, that they were using. So going back to England, the tradition was that you would mix up your plum pudding about a month before Christmas on what they called Mix-Up Sunday. It was this big ordeal where each member of the family would take turns stirring it. Uh, it had to be stirred in a certain um, pattern. All this stuff was going on. It was all symbolic. And they were going to mix that up, and it included things like meat and nuts and fruit, all sorts of things. And you were going to hang that in a uh, cloth bag up in your attic because you wanted it to ferment. 
And so it was going to come out. It was going to be very strong Christmas morning. You were going to bring down your pudding. You were going to boil it or steam it. That's how it was cooked. And then you would serve it. And the way that you served it was to first douse it in brandy and light it on fire. Um, the rich, dark pudding, which was mostly what what they were, usually they either had molasses or a lot of spices in them, um, symbolized the fertile earth. And then you were going to light it on fire, which symbolized the burning away of an old year and the rebirth of a new year in the flames. So it was all symbolic. So that's what was happening. That's what we're going to do. But I, before we do that, I do want to read a poem that was part of many European um, celebrations. So there are a couple things. Uh, how many of you know what Boxing Day is? Most of us don't. Boxing Day was the day after Christmas, and they actually celebrated it there. And then there's a word in there. It's Pantechnicon. Does anybody know what a Pantechnicon is? <laughs> yes. um, it was a type of carriage, so it was a vehicle, a mode of transportation. Um, and so I'm going to read this poem. It says, On Boxing Day in days of old, in northern climes and winters cold, the rich would share their yesterday's plum pudding, so cold and heavy it was wooden, with the poor folk round about, whose wishes to be left alone they'd annually flout. They'd load up the Pantechnicon with boxes they would place upon the thing in chaos and kerfuffle. Then against the cold they'd muffle and trundle down the village street where all the poor folk they would greet with a loud cry of Noel, Noel, while the poor folk muttered quietly, Oh well. Oh well, we'll put up with that soggy pudding so cold and heavy that it's wooden. We'll pretend to smile and put on a show because it cheers the rich folks so. <laughs> okay, so our... Our plum pudding is a little different than the traditional English plum pudding. By the time it came across to the United States and we Americanized it, it was much different. First of all, we didn't like that fermentation, so you mixed it up the day you were going to cook it. Um, and then we took away the meat and some of those things we didn't like. And so it's mostly a spice cake with raisins in it. Um, and this is the actual Watkins recipe that we use for it. So if you'll give me just a moment, I'm going to bring in the pudding and we will attempt to do the ceremony. Excuse me, just a moment, Rosie dear.
tea room where we are going to cut it and you can try it. Um, now I will tell parents that it burned pretty quickly, so probably not all that alcohol content burned out. So just be aware of that. <laughs> and I'm going to pass this on. Thank you for listening to the Neverland Podcast. We invite you back next week for more fun and adventure. Until then, remember to keep a pixie in your pocket. It's that young at heart, positive attitude that you can share with others. And remember to visit our website at NeverlandPodcast.com. There you can find links to our news page, our shop, our contact page, where you can easily send an email to podcast at NeverlandPodcast.com. You can also find our Neverlanders page, where you can find out how to become an official Lost Boy or Pixie, because girls are too clever to get lost. Become a real Neverlander! Please feel free to leave us a voicemail at 816-226-6492. And be sure to follow us on Twitter at NeverlandPCast. And like our Neverland Podcast fan page on Facebook. We also have a group on Facebook for you to join. We also appreciate your support to keep the Neverland Podcast up and running. Visit Patreon.com slash NeverlandPodcast to donate to Keeping the Pixie Dust Alive. Copyright content featured on the Neverland Podcast is copyright of their respective creators and used under fair use license. All original content is copyright of Blue Band Productions and a very special thanks to Yeehaw Bob Jackson at yeehawbob.com for our new ending music. God bless! Yeah! Hello everybody, this is Yeehaw Bob Jackson. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, we love you. Neverland Podcast, it's true. Neverland Podcast, we love you.